Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back to award-winning Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I am your host, Rick Loiza, and this is the podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. We are bringing old-school basketball to a new-school audience. And today, we continue the story of Coach Bob Knight. In last week's episode, we covered his story from his upbringing through his college days at Ohio State University. We then followed him through his first college head coaching job at West Point Military Academy, more commonly known as Army. We ended the episode with Coach Knight leaving Army for a new job at Indiana University, and that was the summer of 1971. It did not take Coach Knight very long to begin recruiting quality players to come to Indiana. He decided that he would focus on the states of Indiana, Illinois, and Ohio as his recruiting base. Now, it is not that he wouldn't look at a player from elsewhere, but for the purposes of recruiting, he considered that his home territory. He vowed to land every quality player from these three states. Now, this meant having to compete with the University of Illinois, Purdue University, Notre Dame University, and Ohio State University, among others, for the those same local kids, but Coach Knight was up to the task, and he was a great recruiter. His strategy for recruiting players was to recruit players who fit into his system. He would be willing to take a player who was slightly less skilled as long as that player was passionate, would give full effort in practices and games, and follow every instruction that Coach Knight would give him. Those were the kinds of players that Coach Knight wanted. Also, the player had to be a good student. Coach Knight wanted his players to earn their degrees in addition to playing great basketball. One time, Coach Knight was visiting a player in the player's home and was appalled by the way that player acted rudely toward his own mother. Coach Knight simply thanked the family for their time and left without ever calling that player again. He figured that he would let that player be some other coach's problem. With that approach guiding him in his recruiting, he was able to build a quality team that would compete with any team in the country. By his fourth season at Indiana, he had built a team of players completely recruited by him and exclusively from the states of Indiana, Illinois, and Ohio. That team featured future NBA players like Quinn Buckner, Scott May, and Kent Benson. That team was the culmination of everything that Coach Knight believed about basketball. He was at a school that prioritized the basketball team and provided the support that he needed. He was able to successfully recruit the players that he wanted and they were executing a system that Coach Knight had been developing and tweaking for the entire 10 years that he had been a head coach at the college level. That team could not have gotten off to a better start. They started 31-0. and they went undefeated in Big Ten play and easily won the conference. They had 30-point, 40-point, and even 50-point victories over the course of the season. This was a team of destiny. This was the perfect Bob Knight team. Their perfect record took them all the way to the round of eight at the NCAA tournament, where they were upset 92-90 by the University of Kentucky. It was a crushing blow for Coach Knight and the players. However, there was one silver lining, and it was this. 
the core players would be returning that following season. And Coach Knight got those players focused on making another run at the championship. The players, being Coach Knight's kind of players, were ready for the task. They refocused on the following season to make it a perfect season. And that's exactly what happened. But before they got the regular season started for the 1976 season, Coach Knight decided that he wanted a little bit of revenge for America. So a few years earlier in 1972, the Soviet national basketball team upset the United States for the gold medal at the Munich Olympic Games. The game was controversial because the Soviet team was illegally given two extra chances to make a game-winning shot, which they eventually did. Well, that Soviet team was coming to the United States for an exhibition tour and Coach Knight wanted to be part of that tour and win one for his mentor and coach of the 1972 U.S. team, Hank Iba, formerly of Oklahoma State University. Now, they scheduled that game to be played in Indianapolis, which was practically in the backyard of Indiana University. There was going to be a huge crowd supporting Coach Knight and his team. The Soviet team still had two players from that Olympic squad, and they played in front of a packed house of over 17,000 rabid American fans. Indiana won the game convincingly, 94-78. Scott May had a dominant performance, scoring 34 points on 13-for-15 shooting. That game set the tone for the rest of the season. Their next opponent was the first official game of the 1976 season, and for that game, Coach Knight decided to schedule the defending national champions, the UCLA Bruins. They played that game on a neutral site in St. Louis, Missouri, and it was not even close. Indiana won 84-64. It was UCLA's first game since John Wooden had retired. Indiana ran through their non-conference schedule with a perfect record of 9-0. Then it came time to play their Big Ten schedule and they went a perfect 18-0 and won the conference by four games. Indiana University had now won 58 of their previous 59 games, but they still had the 1976 NCAA tournament to play. None of that would matter if they did not win the championship, and things would not get any easier for them. Running the NCAA tournament is a gauntlet filled with some of the best teams in the country, and if a team is going to win it all, they have to beat all of them. At the Final Four in the National Semifinal, they were matched up with UCLA for a rematch. That rematch pretty much went the same way the first game went. Indiana won by 14 points and that put them into the championship game against their own Big Ten rival, the University of Michigan, who they had already beaten twice that season. This could have easily spelled bad news for Indiana. When a team has already beaten an opponent twice and is now playing them for the third time, the team that won the first two games can sometimes become complacent and not take the game seriously. After all, they had already proven their dominance in beating them twice, but neither victory was easy for Indiana. The game at Michigan was only a six-point victory for Indiana, and the return game in Indiana was a five-point overtime victory. Now, Coach Knight knew that his team was ready. The players were indeed ready. They were not going to take Michigan lightly. In true Knight fashion, Indiana came out attacking on offense and playing defense like a swarm of bees. They handed Michigan their worst loss of the season. Indiana won by 18 points in an 86-68 game. And just like that, Coach Knight had his first national championship. He was on the map as one of the great college coaches in the country. He brought glory to Indiana University way ahead of when most people thought it could. 
it was only his fifth year at Indiana. He recruited extremely well as seven of the players from that 1976 team would get drafted into the NBA. It was also a great comeback after the disappointment of the previous season. Well, this is a good place to take a break and I'll be right back with the story of what Coach Knight did after he won his first national championship. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. At the Sports History Network, we're all about sports yesteryear, and so we're so pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings your sports history to life anywhere. The Row One Gallery includes over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, advertisements, and more in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. And any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. And in Row One Shop, check out the thousands more of unique Unique items with a retro and historical designs dating back to 1876, including t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com, R-O-W number one, for access to the full Row 1 catalog and for gallery prints and gift items, plus get a 15% discount off all prints on the Row 1 Pictorum Gallery with coupon code SHN15. Follow the link on the show notes. Welcome back to the show and let us continue with the story of Bob Knight's career at Indiana University. As I mentioned before the break, he had won his first national championship in 1976 and made Indiana University one of the premier basketball programs in the country. As many of his best players moved on to the professional ranks, Coach Knight had to restock the team with top talent. And while he was doing that, he was cementing his reputation as a fiery coach who lost his temper quickly and often verbally attacked the referees. He had so many run-ins with referees and fans that there are almost too many to mention. Once, he was having an issue while playing against Kentucky, coached by Joe B. Hall. Indiana had a huge 34-point lead in the second half when he pulled out all of his starters and replaced them with his bench players. Now, even though it was his bench players on the court and the win was practically secured, Coach Knight still expected his bench players to execute to the best of their ability. Well, he did not feel that they were doing that and he let them know by screaming at them from the bench. And one of the assistant coaches from Kentucky yelled a comment in regard to how Coach Knight was still pushing so hard in a blowout victory. And Coach Knight did not like that comment at all. And Coach Hall could tell. They met at midcourt to discuss the assistant coach's comments. Coach Hall agreed that the assistant was out of line and that he would take care of it. As Coach Hall started walking back to his bench, Coach Knight tapped him lightly on the back of the head. Well, now the assistant was ready to throw fists at Coach Knight. From Coach Knight's perspective, it was a simple tap and he meant nothing by it, but the press was all over Coach Knight for practically assaulting Coach Hall. Now, should Coach Knight have tapped Coach Hall in the back of the head? No, of course not. He should never hit somebody in the back of the head, no matter how innocent, and especially in front of a packed arena full of witnesses. But Coach Knight thought that at least Coach Hall would come to his defense and say that it was no big deal. But Coach Hall did not do that, and Coach Knight held on to that grudge for the rest of his career. 
Now, that is probably the smallest of all of Coach Knight's infractions. There were other times that in an effort to get his team fired up, he would purposely yell at the refs in order to get kicked out of the game. Now, that usually did the trick because now the players had a chip on their shoulders against the referees and they usually played more aggressively after that. And that was really what Coach Knight wanted, was to motivate his team. But in doing that, he made himself look like a petulant child. In his own autobiography, he acknowledges that many of his actions made him look bad, but in the big scheme of things, if it can produce better results for the team, then he was willing to do it. He also acknowledges that he has a short fuse and that he should not let things get under his skin so easily, but sometimes he just cannot help himself. One of the things that defines Coach Knight is that he has a very black and white way of looking at life. Things are either right or they're wrong, and when he sees something that he thinks is wrong, he feels that he is the one that needs to teach that person a lesson and teach it immediately. Whether it is a player that cannot seem to get a drill right in practice, or an errant pass, or a bad call by a referee, or a misquote by a sports writer. No matter what it is, if he thinks something wrong has taken place, he sees himself as some sort of a vigilante crusader who had to go and right all of the wrongs of the world. He will dress down a reporter in front of other reporters. He screams at his own players when they mess something up yet again in practice. And he will angrily throw his coat down and yell at a referee when he thinks he saw a bad call. Coach Knight is one of those mysterious personalities that has a lot of loyal friends, but he also has an equal number of enemies. But now, let's get back to his team at Indiana. It took him five years to rebuild his team after winning that championship in 1976. In 1981, with a completely different set of players, his Indiana Hoosiers won the national championship again. And this was behind the scoring and passing of sophomore point guard Isaiah Thomas, and they went all the way back to the promised land. But it was nowhere near a perfect season. Indiana lost nine games that year, but they still won the Big Ten Conference to secure a spot in the NCAA tournament. But they played a really strong non-conference schedule and played a number of top-ranked teams. A team that loses nine games over a season is not likely to win the whole thing, but they put together a magical run when it counted, and that was in March. They defeated the University of North Carolina in the championship game by a score of 63-50. to This win validated that Coach Knight was not a one-championship wonder. It proved that he could rebuild the team from scratch and win another one. But his star player, Isaiah Thomas, left for the NBA even though he still had two years left of college eligibility, and the move did make sense for Thomas. The following year, he became one of the very few NBA rookies to earn a spot in the All-Star game. And that was proof enough that it was the right time for him to leave college. Now, one thing that I did want to talk about for a moment is about Coach Knight's recruiting strategy. I mentioned earlier how he would willingly take a less skilled player as long as the player would play with complete abandon and do whatever Coach Knight told him to do. Well, his track record in Indiana kind of proves that out. Coach Knight is one of only three coaches in NCAA history to win at least three national championships with completely different players. It is proof of a coach's ability to rebuild a team and win it again. Most coaches that win multiple championships do so with the same core group of players, or at least with a few players in common. In his 29 years as head coach of Indiana University, Coach Knight recruited 28 total players who moved on to the NBA. Now that is just under one player per season who would play in the NBA, and only one of those players 
became an NBA All-Star, and that was Isaiah Thomas. Now, let us compare that to one of Coach Knight's early assistants at Indiana, Coach Mike Krzyzewski. Coach Krzyzewski was the head coach at Duke University for 40 years, and he recruited 72 players who later played in the NBA. That is nearly two per season, and eight of them were All-Stars. In fact, even though Coach Krzyzewski retired a year ago, he still has 23 former players playing in the NBA right now. But that only shows that Coach Knight's strategy of prioritizing players who fit his system rather than just getting the best talent at all costs has proved him right. Again, he is only one of three coaches to win three or more national championships with completely different players. The other two coaches are John Wooden and Mike Krzyzewski. Those three coaches have won a total of 18 national championships. Now, as I said before, the controversy surrounding Coach Knight has nothing to do with his abilities as a coach. The man could flat out coach basketball. He was an excellent teacher of the game, a developer of players, a motivator, and an amazing in-game strategist. Most of the controversy is around who he was as a person. And this is a good place to end part two of our profile on Coach Bob Knight. Join us next week when we share our third and final episode on Coach Knight. We will cover his last championship with Indiana and take a deeper dive into many of the specific controversial incidents that he found himself in. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. And check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care and see you soon.